Some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said, As for these things which you behold, the days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And they asked him, saying, Master, when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, Take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, the time draweth near. Go ye not out after them. When you shall hear of wars and commotions, don't be terrified. These things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. And he said to them, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Great earthquakes shall be in many places, famines, pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall be from heaven. But before all these things, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and the prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, and it shall turn to you for a testimony. Don't worry about it. Set it therefore in your hearts, nor to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay or to resist. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people Israel. They shall fall by the edge of the sword. They shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be filled full. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, and our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In this study, Dr. Mitchell will cover three subjects that our Lord addresses the destruction of the temple, the destruction of the city, and the worldwide Gentile dominion known as the times of the Gentiles. Our study now turns to the predictions of our Lord Jesus Christ found in Luke chapter 21, and we begin with verse 5. Now, while Jesus and the disciples were looking at the temple where the poor widow tossed in her last bit of money, Jesus now turns to speaking about the temple itself. And at this point, Jesus' disciples begin to ask the Lord questions. They ask a when question and a what question. Dr. Mitchell brings out the fact that Luke is now more occupied with the temple and the city than are Matthew and Mark, which deal more with the end-time events themselves. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, Luke chapter 21, verse 5. We come to you again, and we are coming to a very, very important passage in the Gospel through Luke. We're studying day by day this wonderful Gospel written by Luke concerning our Lord as the Son of Man. We're coming now to the last few days of his ministry on earth, and we're in 
chapter 21. And we're reading from verse, from verse 5. As I said, and I repeat it again, our Lord has been teaching the people in these last two chapters, 20 and 21, his final ministry. Starting chapter 22, he moves on to the cross. And he's been giving us various lessons. He's been opposed by his enemies. He has shut them up. He gave us a very simple yet wonderful little illustration and instruction concerning giving in the first part of the chapter. And now we come to the, to the Lord's predictions in chapter 21, verse 5, to the end of the chapter. And these, these, the Lord's predictions are brought about by the questions which these disciples raise. And I'm going to read two or three verses from Luke 21, starting at verse 5. And as some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said, As for these things which you behold, the days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they asked him, saying, Master, when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, Take heed that you be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. The time draweth near. Go ye not out after them. When you shall hear of wars and commotions, don't be terrified. For these things must first come to pass. But the end is not by and by. And he goes on to give some more uh, signs concerning the destruction of the city and of the temple. Now, allow me to just say one or two things before we go into these verses, because the predictions given by our Savior, as I said a while ago, was brought out by their questions. Now, Luke is more concerned and more occupied with the temple and the city uh, than he is really with the end time, the coming of the Lord to the earth, although he speaks of it. You remember in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24 and 25, and the Gospel through Mark, chapter 13, and Luke 21, these chapters deal with the destruction of the city and of the temple, and then the signs of the appearing of our Savior when he comes back to the earth to reign. Now, none of this is found in the Gospel through John. John doesn't deal with these things. If you take the gospel through John, uh, you take from chapter 13 through 17, our Lord's upper room discourse, he's dealing entirely with his own. When you come to Matthew 24 and 25, you have the Mount Olivet discourse, which has to do with the answering of the questions, what shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the age? Same thing in Mark chapter 13. But when it comes here to John, uh, Luke's gospel chapter 21, he is really dealing more with the temple and with the city. In fact, in this chapter, Luke takes up God's judgment upon the temple and the city, then he takes up the times of the Gentiles, and then he ends the chapter with a few things concerning, or should I say a few warnings concerning his return. Now in verses 5 through 24, there is given to us the prophecies relating to the temple and to the city. And in verse 5 and 6, first of all, with respect to the temple. Uh, let me read those two or three verses again. 
Luke 21, 5. As some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said, These things which you behold, the days will come, in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now here he is talking about the destruction of the temple. And this was fulfilled, actually fulfilled, 40 years afterwards. You see, the temple was the center of the Jewish life. Every Jew wanted to go to Jerusalem sometime and, and be in the temple. And this was Herod's temple. You remember there was Solomon's temple, uh, which was destroyed by the Babylonians. And then there was the, the temple built by Ezra and Nehemiah, especially Ezra. Ezra and Zerubbabel built the temple in the midst of ruin. They first of all built the altar, uh, and then they built the temple in the midst of ruin. Nehemiah came afterwards, and he, in the same generation, and he built, he built the walls of the city. But the one during our Lord's day was Herod's temple. And it was being built, and it took a great number of years to build Herod's temple. It was a thing of beauty, a thing of majesty. It was a marvelous, marvelous building. And the Jews thought a great deal about it. They boasted about it. You remember our Lord cleansed it twice, both at the beginning at the end of his ministry, and now it's going to be destroyed. And as I said a moment ago, it was fulfilled in absolute detail. Not one stone left upon another. Do you, re do you realize that, and I quote from Josephus, the great Jewish historian, that some of these stones in the temple were 45 feet long, 22 feet wide, and 14 feet deep. How can you visualize such a stone? 45 feet long, 22 feet wide, and 14 feet deep. That's one big stone, is it not? I remember one time being up at a place called Baalbek in, in Lebanon, north of Assyria. And uh, this was the center, you remember, of the Amorite civilization about about 1,500 years or more B.C. And you take the, the main stones of those temples. Uh, you, you go there and you'll find the ruins. Uh, you find today, for example, uh, some of the Roman temples are still standing. There were the temple of Bacchus is still there. Do you see a heap of ruin? And that was built, the Romans built upon the foundations of the, what the Greeks had built. And the Greeks built upon the foundation of the Amorites. And some of those stones are about this size, 45, some 50 feet long, 22 or more feet wide, 14 feet thick. Just think of it. And there'll not be one stone left upon another that shall not be thrown down. I'm sure it must have grieved the heart of the Lord. No wonder when we come, you remember chapter 19, of how the Lord wept over Jerusalem because they were choosing a destroyer instead of a savior. And now he predicts that this temple is going to be destroyed. And again, I repeat, about 40 years after the Lord made this statement, the temple was broken down. Not one stone left upon another. You know, I can't help. I can't help but think of that verse in uh, Isaiah 66. Do you remember it? That where... 
The prophet Isaiah said, The heaven is my throne, quoting from God. The heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where will you build a house that I may find my rest? For all these things have my hands made. You remember in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 6, I believe it is, when, when Solomon dedicated his amazing, beautiful temple, he said, The heaven of heavens can't contain thee, much less this temple which I have built. But where can God dwell? The heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. You can't build me a house to house me. But where can God find his rest? He goes on to say in the second verse, To this man will I look, the him that's of a humble and a contrite heart, and that trembleth at my word. Where does God dwell today? Not in temples made with hands. He dwells in you, my friend, if you love the Savior. Second, first, first Corinthians six nineteen says, Don't you know that your body is the sanctuary of God? Or the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have of God and in your room? Wonderful thing. Astounding thing. That God can pick up sinners like you and me. Just because we put our trust in the Savior, he comes and we're born of the Spirit, and then he comes to live in us. The creator of the universe comes and lives in the heart of him that's humble and contrite, that trembleth at his word. That means those who put their trust in the Savior, not only do they have their sins forgiven and they become the recipients of eternal life and become children of God, these are wonderful things, but he comes to live in you and he comes to live in me. This is what Jesus was saying before he left the earth. When he said, the Spirit of God is with you, and he shall be in you. And in that day when the Spirit of God indwells you, you will know, I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. I'm quoting John 19, 20. But this, this temple made of stones, tremendous sized stones, is going to be destroyed. Not one stone left on another. My friend, again I say, this was fulfilled in absolute detail 40 years after our Lord made this statement. Like you have in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. They kill the Son of God, and they persecute the believer, and the cup of wrath, the wrath of God has come upon them to the uttermost. The temple was destroyed. The very heart of Jewry was gone. Can I digress for a second and say this to you, my friend? The one great yearning of the Jew today is to have his temple back in Jerusalem. You watch the affairs in the Near East. We're living on a powder keg. It wouldn't surprise me any day but war will break out in the Near East. And the one thing the Jew will not give up is the city of Jerusalem. And the one thing they really want is to build their temple where the mosque of Omar is today. This is the great, this will be the center of Jewry, just as it was in our Lord's day, just as it was down through the centuries. This temple, which, which is the outward open manifestation of the presence of God in Israel. 
Jesus here said it's going to be destroyed in 40 years. It was accomplished in detail. When I come to Revelation, it's going to be rebuilt. When I come to Ezekiel, it's going to be rebuilt. It's going to be built in the tribulation period. It's going to be destroyed. And then God, the Lord, is going to build his temple, according to Zechariah. He will build his temple, and he will be a priest upon the throne. Now let's go down to the next thing. In verses 7 to 24, you have the, the fall of Jerusalem. Now I recognize, and I'm going to say this, uh, it was applicable in our Lord's day, the destruction of Jerusalem. Some of the same signs which you find in Luke 21, you find in Matthew 24, which have to do with the coming of the Lord back to the earth. But nevertheless, uh, these signs were applicable in our Lord's day. And by the way, may I say, though the Jews did not believe Jesus about the destruction of their temple and the destruction of their city, the disciples did. As far as I know, according to tradition, when the city fell under Titus in 70 AD, when the temple was destroyed and the city was destroyed, and the Jews were killed by the tens of thousands, the blood ran down the gutters. As far as I know, there was not one Christian in the city when it was destroyed. The disciples believed what Jesus said. Now let's look at this. Some signs here. The destruction of the temple. Remember this. The fall of Jerusalem from verses 7 to 24. First of all, there's a warning in verse 8. I said, And he said, Take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Don't you go after them. Let me just stop here. The first sign he gives are false teachers. False teachers, don't be deceived. Many are going to come to deceive God's people. Don't you go after them. Now this was true right after, right after our Lord was crucified and raised from the dead. False Christ arose. It was true before the destruction of the city. It's going to be especially true before the Lord's return to the earth. Are you take today? We have false Christ in America. We have one who comes from India. We have one who comes from China, from Southeast Asia. And the amazing thing is, both of them use something about the Bible, especially the one from Southeast Asia. This one from India, it wants to be worshipped. And he's even using some of the scriptural things concerning our Savior and applying them to himself. A denial, of course, of the deity of our Savior and of his sacrificial work and in his resurrection. And this one moon from Southeast Asia, be, be, be on your guard against false teachers, false Christ. I say we have it even today. And notice the second thing. The ground for the warning is because of these things. Conditions in the earth. Now remember, Matthew has to do with his coming to the earth. Luke is dealing with the destruction of the city. And when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. These things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then he said to them, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. 
Great earthquakes shall be in many places, famines, pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall be from heaven. But before all these things, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and the prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, and it shall turn to you for a testimony. Don't worry about it. Set it therefore in your hearts, nor to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mountain wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay, nor to resist. And he talks about your families will turn you in. He's talking about the question from verses 8 to 19, the ground for the warning. Now the warning is don't be deceived. And the ground for the warning is there's going to be false Christ. There's going to be wars. There's going to be trouble everywhere. But before these things, verse 12, before these things, he talks to his people now. Many are going to be betrayed. You're going to be hated. You're going to be brought before juries, before judges. And you're going to be betrayed, betrayed by parents, by your brethren, by your kinfolk, by your friends. Some of you shall they cause to be put to death. You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. They shall not a head of your head perish in your patience. Possess you your souls. Now you see... He's talking here about the ground for the warning is because of the condition in the world with its, with its false Christ, with its wars, with its trouble everywhere. Uh, and you're going to be hated. You're going, to be, you're going to be persecuted. And by the way, may I say, the early church before 70 AD, before the city was destroyed, the early Christians suffered intensely from their enemies, persecuted, torn asunder, boiled in oil, uh, killed by gladiators, crucified, you name it. Christians went through terrible times even before Jerusalem was destroyed. But what shall they do when this thing takes place? And he tells them what they shall do. When you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now that desolation was spoken of in chapter 19. You remember, let them which are in the midst of it depart out. Get out of the place. Let them which are in the other countries don't come back. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people Israel. They shall fall by the edge of the sword, they shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be filled full. Now, I need to go any further. You see, in verses 18, right on down through, he's encouraging them and telling them what to do. He's going to work all things out, but they are to rest in him. And then when it comes down to this question of verse 23 and 24. Woe to them that be with child, and them that give suck in those days. There shall be great distress in the land, wrath upon this people. Spoken of by Paul in the second chapter of 1 Thessalonians. God's going to work this whole business out. And Jerusalem, they shall fall by the edge of the sword. They shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the types of the Gentiles be filled for. My friend, that's been, that was absolutely fulfilled in detail. In detail. 
There's no question about this. It's fulfilled in detail. Now I want to take the time to tell you what happened in 70 AD when the Jews, when the Jews did this. I want to say to you, my friend, that the Lord himself gave the very detail of what was going to take place. And if that took place in 70 AD in detail, everything fulfilled, every detail fulfilled, I've got the right to believe, I've got the right to believe that every detail, every second coming will take place. Now in our next lesson, I want to take up the times of the Gentiles. What does it mean? And then follow through on his prophecy concerning his return to the earth. Please read your Bibles and read Matthew 24, 25, Mark 13, as well as Luke 21. And may the Lord wonderfully bless you for his name's sake. cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.